0: hello everyone do you like beasts do you like a good fright and things that go boom in the dark the mother of all monsters has enlarged her brood with things unnatural all with a taste for flesh all of this and more you'll find here in echidna's house Snapper, by Daryl Macdonald. Chapter 1 My friend Barry always used to say that he wanted to die with all his perfect teeth in his head. Barry got his wish since his head was the only thing the police found. Why he went swimming in the dark river leading from the ancient swamp at night was a mystery, but much less one than the origin of the thing that ate him. They used my dip net to recover his macabre remains that scooped up all my record bass catches, and I had to throw it in the dumpster. For the next few days, Heron Highland Swamp was off-limits to fishermen, hunters, boaters, and the legion of nature fanatics. The watery Leviathan now expanded its hunting range to every riverside home. No one knew, however, that the handsome one-time senior voted most likely to succeed in our 1995 graduation class wasn't at fault by any means. Barry, sitting out on his dock after dark, was smoking potent weed, which was his nightly indulgence as he disliked beer, wine, and most spirits. His family struggles with alcohol directed him to weed, but he never overdid it. Mellowed out to a pleasant euphoria, he took notice of the gargantuan menace rising from the water below his floating dock while he listened to Braves baseball on the radio. A long, rubbery neck connected to a deadly set of jaws extended six feet, snatching the tall man from his lawn chair. The gaping jaws anchored to a hideous beak were wide enough that when they stabbed his torso... The vicious shaking sent his severed head bouncing into the water. Swimming away with his meal, the animal dragged the man across the river where he could eat in peace, inside a cove spiked with tree trunks and rotted stumps. The following afternoon, Sheriff Rubens waited for the regional game warden, Neil Cross, to arrive. The sheriff was concerned that the river's legendary bull alligator, Methuselah, had finally taken human prey for the first time in 47 years and may need relocation. But Neil had been chasing his nemesis, Bubba Frank Dudley, who'd grown up on the water, boasting that he descended from a long line of trappers one. and was the best hunter in the South. He and Bubba had been adversaries since we were all in high school and neither man liked each other. The coming events were about to detonate a deadly conflict. Thanks for coming on short notice, Neil. It's okay, Ron. I was tired of chasing that idiot Bubba Frank through the swamp anyways. What's he up to now? Some of everything. I found a stash of 24 marijuana plants growing in some pots on a raft back up in the bog. He's the only one who'd know how to get back in there. I knew he was watching me when I tossed him in the water, but he's probably got a lot more hiding places. Ah, he'll screw up one day, and then we'll snatch him. Neil, do you think Methuselah could have killed Barry? Nah, no reason to. There's plenty of fish, snakes, ducks, and smaller gators everywhere to eat, let alone dogs and other prey. Well, something big sure as hell got him. We took pictures of the dock, and right on the edge we saw these. Looks like gouges from a gaff hook or something. It's strange. Let me see. The nature biologist, too, was mystified. A lot of animals had claws in the swamp, but not large enough to do this kind of damage. It could be anything or nothing. Well, let me get out on the water, Sheriff, and I'll see what I can see. If something new is hunting in Methuselah's territory, he'll be the best answer to finding it. How big is he now? Well, my John boat's 18 feet long, and I painted footmarks in yellow on both sides. He cruised next to me one day with a coon in his mouth, and I read 14 foot easy. He's at least a 105 years old now since old man Cooter took that picture back in 1936. Every time I see it hanging at his son's bar, I still can't believe it. A hundred-year-old gator. He's real, all right. Have a good day, Sheriff. Chapter 2 Bubba, that's the damn best coon I ever ate. How'd you get it so good? You gots to know how to work it, baby. Grandmama Tussie Mae showed me everything about how to make it sweet and tender. Yeah, and you got it hot just like I like it. How many of them did Deputy Dog drown? Twenty-four, just what I wanted that fool to find. He didn't know, but I could have took his head off with my thirty-odd six. Nobody would have ever found him. Hell, you ain't no man-killer, Bubba. You just like gators and such. It's a shame the boy Barry got killed. He was my best customer. What happened to him? They don't know. Some just took his body and lift his head. Well, it wasn't Methuselah. He ain't never ate no live person before. But I'm gonna get out there, cause it's kinda strange happening. I found a pig carcass all torn up, wedged up in some rocks, like it was drug up in there. Okay, but next week, I'm going to need a kilo to get to that guy in Atlanta. He got some real good connections over there. All right, you want some more of this coon? I'll put three nice ones in the kettle. Bring it on, brother, bring it on. The men ate a heavy lunch and sopped it all up with some brown onion gravy. They topped off the meal with blunts and beer, and Donnie paid Bubba a $1,000. Chapter 3 Days of fruitless hunting turned nothing up for Neil, so he took a day off. One intensely hot afternoon, deep in a remote section of the swamp, Methuselah finally tracked and cornered his rival predator in a dead-end gator hole he'd dug. All of the egrets and other birds nesting in the trees flew higher above the water, sensing double danger below. The heretofore unchallenged Methuselah cruised in, unaware of the sheer size of his enemy concealed underwater. The monstrous alligator snapping turtle, too, was over 90 years old, which was unusual for his species. It had an eight-foot diameter shell weighing in at over 935 pounds but its true power lay in its cavernous jaws that opened over three and a half feet wide, dropping like hydraulic jaws when they attacked. Methuselah's jaws were also formidable, but the turtle's compact size made a world of difference. When the bull gator smashed into the turtle's hard shell, its flexible neck swung around, clamping down on the gator's back and soft underbelly, gouging huge fatal holes into its flesh. Methuselah thrashed wildly in the shallow water, trying to dislodge his body, deploying his gator roll. For over a painful hour, his blood spilled, mixing in with the murky water and mud, and finally he died from his wounds. The turtle held on for another hour to be sure of a complete kill before beginning his feasting. After devouring most of the internal organs, its jaws hacked away the meaty tail, and he swam away to feed later. Now, there was only one danger in the river, and no one was prepared to deal with the menace. Chapter 4 Teens, by nature, challenge the rules no matter how well-intentioned they are for their own protection. Jeffrey and Trent Hurley's desire to take their new jet ski out on the river gifted by loving grandparents was all a matter of timing. Their father had taken a day off to take his wife in for important medical procedures and they'd be gone all day, leaving the boys at home on a teacher workday. 16 year old Jeff and his 13 year old sibling were normal rambunctious teens who loved the outdoors. When they were sure that their parents were at the hospital an hour away, They made their move. Their plan was to take their jet ski out for an hour or so, return it to the garage after drying it and cooling the engine with the leaf blower, then refueling it to the exact same level and using a marine polish their dad used on his prize bass boat. Their plan was set in place with one fatal exception, Murphy's cruel law. Out on the water, their plan was working brilliantly. The older, stronger Jeff drove with Trent sitting behind him, laughing the whole way. As powerful as it was, the machine's controllability was exceptional, as their grandfather had done his homework on the purchase for his grandsons. They sped south to the porter's dock, then whirled around, heading north, then west toward the swamp and deeper water. Rounding the bend, the ski struck something big in the water, causing Trent to fall off. When Jeff saw that Trent was okay, he positioned the ski and extended his right arm to pull him aboard. Trent's laughing made him laugh. Then he slowly turned to head back towards home when his brother's laughter turned to a horrifying scream. Trent's fingernails dug hard into his brother's belly and he turned to see what was wrong. The monster's jaws were locked sideways across the boy's body, nearly cutting him in half. For a brief second, the brother's eyes locked on each other when Trent's body disappeared underwater, ripping away his brother's swim trunks. Birds flew while Jeff screamed his little brother's name as he stood there, naked, in shock. A trail of bubbles rose to the surface, heading into the bog, with the boy frozen standing on the jet ski. When another boater out for a day of bass fishing on the water swung around the bend on his boat, he immediately stopped his engine, staring at the naked, crying teen. He dripped it over, grabbing the shivering boy who fell deeper into distress. "'Son, what's wrong? What happened?' The boy shivered, perplexing the man, and he tried again. "'Son, what happened?' Was it a gator? N- 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 no, no, it was a big, ugly alligator snapping turtle, and it ain't my brother. Utterly confused, the man pulled his cell phone from his vest, dialing nine one one. In minutes, the river was full of rescue boats, and Jeff was taken home with his new jet ski in tow. While boaters patrolled the river searching for Trent's body, his parents rushed home behind a high speed motorcycle escort. Slamming to a stop with the front tires in the grass, the Hurleys ran inside where the sheriff sat with their son. Katrina hugged him immediately, but soon convulsed into tears. Trent was nowhere to be seen, and she passed out from the shock. Their father, Jeff Sr., conflicted by rage and despair with his elder son, fell on his knees in front of the sofa, sobbing. Paramedics attended to Katrina, and the sheriff went outside to look at the jet ski in the grass. Everyone stared at the gash on the hull, as if it was struck by something hard in the water, and everybody had an opinion. Chapter 5. Bubba Frank knew all of the swamp secrets, including signs of death on the wind. He possessed an acute sense of smell, honed by years of hunting and followed the distinct scent of rotting flesh into the swamp. Ahead in the distance, he knew that this branch led to an old gator hole dug by Methuselah where he'd been before. That day, he snagged a 22-inch bass using a hunting arrow with the fishing gig. But today was very different. Jamming the pole into the mud, Bubba positioned the boat next to the bloated, rotting corpse of Methuselah, being fed upon by a family of raccoons and a lone possum. Flies were everywhere. The hunter, used to ghastly sights in the swamp, used the pole to poke the old alligator's body, flipping it belly up. The entire underside had been eaten away by something big. Strange, but very native-looking to the swamp hunter. For all the world... It looked just like the wounds made by a notorious snapper, but he'd never heard of one this large. Methuselah's whole tail was missing as well, and Bubba decided to leave and report what he'd found. He dumped this one right in Neil's lap before he'd be accused of slaughtering a legend. Bubba snapped six photos with his phone to corroborate his story. Several people were outside the sheriff's office when Bubba rode up on a muddy four-wheeler with ragged, cut-off jeans and light blue denim sleeveless shirt. Barefoot and unashamed, he strolled inside where Neal and the sheriff's deputies were gathered, planning an extended search. Neal glared at Bubba, who spoke up first. Sheriff, I got some news. Methuselah's dead, all chewed up in the swamp. And it was by something bigger and badder than he was. Yeah, Bubba Frank Dooley in a 30-odd-six. Shut up, Neil. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Y'all settle down. Got any proof he's dead, Bubba? Right here, look. Bubba handed the phone to the sheriff, who then connected it with a USB adapter, sending the photos to his high-def TV screen on the wall. But he was smart enough not to have any photographic evidence of his notorious sideline on his cell phone. God damn, look at that I know. That ain't no thirty out six, sheriff, and it was no way around. All right, all right, what are we gonna do now, Neil? I don't know, sheriff. What are we looking for? First it was Barry, then the Hurley boy, now it's Methuselah. Boy? What boy, sheriff? teenage boy was killed today on the river and his body's missing, Bubba. Something snatched him right off a jet ski and his brother said it was a big, ugly alligator snapping turtle that ate him. I know it! I know it! I know it reminds me of something I've seen before. Sheriff, look at them holes. They's just like the kind made by a snapper. That beak must have been as big as the damn shark hooks up at Cooter's Bar. Pensive, the sheriff looked to the expert, Neil. Sheriff... Gigantism does exist in nature, but it's rare. Y'all remember Hogzilla? That boar the hunter shot over in Georgia back in 2004? Yeah, he was almost 800 pounds, I heard. Sure do wish I could have gotten to him. Well, thanks, Bubba. We'll be in touch. Y'all want me to go get him? You stay out of there, Bubba. This is official business now. Everyone was silent as the hunter exited the office. They all knew that Bubba would go after the turtle just to spite his nemesis, Neil. Bubba, in fact, was already planning as he rode away. Chapter 6 We all joined in the river search for the killer turtle, and I was loaded for grizzly bear with my AK-47 on board. Everybody knew that I owned one, but I'd never broken any laws. While we patrolled the main river, Bubba and Neil were in the swamp hunting, as both men were skilled for dangers. Neil pulled along narrow courses between the trees in a smaller boat, and Bubba had a plan. He'd selected three prime locations deep in the swamp that were key trail nexuses used by gators and other wildlife. Some spots were as shallow as a foot deep, while others required swimming. Taking three young sows from his pen for bait, Bubba penned one at a crucial spot where he'd made many kills. The sow's pheromone was sure to draw in something, and after two long nights, the turtle tracked the bait. It was half hour before sunrise, when a cool mist covering the swamp's surface three feet deep. While Baba listened from his tree stand with his 30-odd six securely hung on a short limb, he sat on a smooth plank with his favorite Aunt Gussie Mae's battle axe strapped across his back. Gussie Mae Crowder was Tussie Mae's older sister, who was meaner than a moccasin, fearing no man or anything living in the swamp. She once turned the table on two young clansmen out to terrorize the swamp's legendary heroine, but both were surprised. Gussie May stood six foot one, weighing over 320 pounds, and could outwork most men with her axe. When it destroyed the teen's new pickup truck, they both ran home, leaving it to the human shredder, and not even the sheriff went after Gussie. After she died, the axe fell to Bubba, who kept it as a keepsake of his aunt and chopped wood for Tessie's wood stove. As morning doves cooed, the swamp awakened, and Bubba heard familiar noises near his bait. Using his binoculars, he strained to see beyond the mist, over the water, but something else caught his eye. An enormous 400-pound boar locked in on the sow and began smashing down the pen to get to her. As he strained to see, Neil was yards away hearing the commotion too. Bubba knew that he had to get closer for a good shot, with two dangers near. His narrow boat slid through the water, and he was yards away from disaster. Just as the big boar mounted the sow, his lovemaking exploded into rage when the huge head and neck of a strange beast dove for his body. The boar attacked with incredible power, using his tusks on the leathery neck when the snapper's jaws crushed his left front shoulder, pinning him into the mud. The death squeal lasted for two long minutes, and sensing different danger, the snapper released his grip sliding into the water beneath neil's boat who was unprepared for the attack as his boat flipped his fingers pulled the trigger unleashing the thunderous boom of a 12-gauge blast with a deer slug he fell sideways into the water in panic as he couldn't see anything and stood blasting into the mist the turtle now slid over to bubba's boat breaching like a whale bouncing the man backwards into the muddy water, dislodging his rifle when he fell. While underwater, he frantically tried to recover it, but it had fallen over a submerged log. Meanwhile, Neil was on his feet, spinning in circles when he tripped backwards over the dead boar, hitting the back of his head on a broken peg from the smashed pen. As he tried to slide away, the ugly maw of the turtle rose over his body, cocked for the kill when Neil's boyhood nemesis rose from the mist and mud with Gussie's axe falling like a guillotine severed most of the head now dangling with blood gushing, mixing with the boars Bubba swung again and the threat was ended he stared down at Neil coated in blood and mud then, surprising him extended a helping hand Neil returned a smile, and they both stood, examining the monstrosity. Ooh-wee, is a big one. I wonder how you'd taste with some onion gravy and rice. Damn, Baba, you'd eat anything from the swamp. I know that's right, boss man, and he's just the right size, too. Neil shook his head, laughing, and they loaded the gargantuan head into his dented boat. When they slid out into the main part of the river... A flotilla of hunters surrounded them, stunned by their trophy. Later that morning, Bubba returned with his buddies and power tools to carve out the shell and put the best meat on ice in coolers. Sheriff Rubens and Neil took lots of photographs to complete their reports, and Neal would pass them along to the university for further study. All Saturday afternoon at Cooter's, Neil and Bubba sat at a center table, eating crawfish, chicken wings, and washing it all down with beer. I watched as the two men, now buddies, after 34 years of hostility, acting like they were the best of friends. In gratitude, Neil paid for Bubba's long lunch until Sunday dinner, when the swamp chef would prepare stewed turtle meat in onion gravy served over a platter of white rice. Rocket. Thank you for listening to Snapper by Daryl McDonald. Read by Erica Christie. You can find more information about these stories at ImagineAlleyDigital.com.